Smooth as Tennessee whiskey. Sweet as cherry wine. Chris Stapleton, folks, a uh, great Caucasian singer from Tennessee, started in Kentucky. Uh, welcome back. Uh, my name is Jared Waters, host of the podcast One Man, One Tree in a Hill, a podcast of being about alone with your own thoughts. And I have a special guest that will be joining us on the hill is my dear Caucasian friend, the vanilla face stand-up comedian uh, who's trying to rectify his career. <laughs> rectify? What do I have to rectify it? He's had, a, he's had a long day and long night tonight. It is about it is about 1 o'clock in the morning right now. It is 1 o'clock in the morning. One twenty. One twenty. We were supposed to do this, but today we just couldn't. We had too many conversations. Like, F it. Let's do it on. Let's record this podcast now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Peter Garacci from New Jersey. Peter, Hi, thank you for having me. Finally, Peter, finally, uh, this podcast is only we're only uh, fourteen episodes in. I'm, I'm cool. So, I'm, am I fourteen? I'm gonna be honest. The way I edited, I don't know what. what I might you'll be, be. I might be episode five. <laughs> you might be. No, we were eight episodes already dropped. We're at ten, ten. Then the next week, twelve. Yes, you're at fourteen. Nice man. Fourteen. For me. Third guest. Fourth guest. Uh. Let's uh usually what we do on this podcast we before we get to know the person on the hill but the way we've been talking we're just going to jump right into it. All right, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I'm, you, I'm raw. Like I um let's talk about you've had a long day today. Yeah. Let's let's go through the emotions how you got to this. Peter did our show Tip of the Tongue that happens every Tuesday night at 10. Uh he did some controversial jokes today. Yeah. Uh different. I understand where you were going with the joke. Just wording. I was experiment. I don't. You're experimenting I, um, on a joke, which is not a problem. When I, so I have, what I've been working on the last year is doing is featuring. So I've been doing like this weekend. I got to do like twenty five thirty minutes, at, like at a sh- club west of Philly, which is great. And so hold on, let me break that down for the guests because some people are. I can explain that. Oh, let me explain it. You okay. just stay white. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay to say though. <laughs> It's okay to introduce you as my white friend, but anyway, that's fine. I if don't you don't know, know, a comedy show, not, now New York City is different. New York City is more like spot, spot. So everyone does like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 8 minutes. But when you leave New York City to a comedy show, there's a host that does 10 minutes, 8 to 10 minutes. The feature act, which is the middle act that does 25 to 30 minutes. And then the headliner yes. who does 45 to an hour. So Peter is featuring right now on the road. I worked. Okay. I I started emceeing about a year and a half ago, and I made it my my goal to. Uh, uh, actually, it's funny because uh, Richard Ronovich, who I'm actually opening for this coming weekend, okay, is a comic I look up to, who I've become friends with, and was t- kind of telling him what was going on, and actually like was kind of asking him for some advice because I was having problems with uh, somebody who was booking one-nighters who I thought was not treating me very well. Right. A one-nighter is like a pop-up comedy show, like yes. an Italian restaurant in Jersey or Pennsylvania, something like that. And so he gave me some advice, and what he said was, he goes, the next thing you want to do is get 25, 30 clean, like rock-solid minutes so that a headliner will want to bring you on the road. Bring you on the road. So I spent the last year working on that. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking about lately is am I – too needy from the audience. What am do you I mean, too, too needy from the audience? Do I am I too worried about getting laughs? Like people talk about bombing. Right. I, I I say this honestly. If one of my jokes gets a like a medium laugh, or if one of my jokes gets no laugh, I take that as a bomb. Like my goal. But you have thirty minutes on stage. My too. goal is to, and I and I can't crush for thirty minutes, but I can crush for 
15 minutes. So you can't crush for 30 minutes. No, I mean, like I do, I do really good for 30 minutes, but that's not, I'm not at like a you're plus working, plus. You're wor- I'm working towards, you're working towards being a stronger feature. Act. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. I understand. So what I, what I mean to say is, is that I'm very hard on myself. So I want to get continuous laughs. Got it. So I take that as a bomb. If like a joke just kind of goes over like even medium. So your day started with this on your mind? So no. So one of the things I've been thinking about is is I want to push myself, and I'm I'm hoping that I'm not so needy for the audience's approval that I'm I'm self censoring or I'm not taking risks or not trying stuff or just just doing the safe. And what I mean by safe, I don't mean safe material. I mean safe stuff that I know that works, that I know is going to get laughs. I noticed that about you that you take a lot of risk. Yeah, our show is about risk. Our risk is our so, show is like so we for want tonight, people to do that. We want people I, to I got to the show. I got a text message that threw me for a loop that really upset me right before I was, and then I didn't even know I was going up, and I decided that I was gonna not do anything that's like my regular material, and I was just gonna. I I've been I've been doing. But that's how our show is. But I've been doing stuff like in like last week I did the pair on a Monday night. There was eight people in the audience, and all I did was riff, and it was great. Like it felt really good to just okay. uh, improv and riff. And so I went up and I started riffing, and I was doing something like thing about Harvey Weinstein not like being is not going to be found guilty. And I said that which he's, is which is an accurate point because I think we think that he might pay off all the victims. I don't even think of that. I think that he's a scumbag. But I think that's a wor- like a world of a lot of scummy behavior, and you, it's not against the law to be a scumbag. Like you have to actually prove that a crime was committed. And so some people far, are th- proof- some people have. I think he's being tried he, in well, California for that. Well, I, that, they no, they threw the California. That's what I brought up on stage. What so this a woman who turns out is a comedian, I guess, started heckling, and I and I just I said I was like you. She, I, I was like, you, you know that you're not just guilty because it's been announced that you're guilty. Like you have to actually be proven guilty in, okay. a, like, in a court. And it wasn't even that big of a thing. And to be honest, uh, like I got off stage and one, like one, like young comic who I don't even know came up to me and was like, he's like, listen, he's like, I don't agree with what you said. He goes, but like it was like it was very ballsy. And like I don't even know if I guess he he wasn't on the show, so I guess he was like watching in the back. He was like another yeah. Comic. And he ran off scared. I would and say he ran off scared. Yeah, he ran off. It's because he thought his career was on. And line. even a, a a woman who was there with us, who's yes. a Cuban from Miami. But she's from Florida. Florida people are completely different. Well, which is but which is fine. But like this idea that like comedians are are going after other comedians is ridiculous to me. But I think that if you preference that you do think he's guilty. Personally, you think he's guilty, but you don't think the court will find him guilty. I think he's a horrible, horrible person, but I, from what I've read, I don't think they have a case. They, they Again, this is like— They a, have a case, but you don't think they can prove it. I, this is a hunch I have. Like, the government wants to get their man. So if they go through this whole process where it's a trial, it's like a big show trial, it's all over the news, it's everybody knows about it, they, like— they want something. They want. They don't. They're not gonna just let him get away with nothing. And I think the jury probably thinks, "All right, this guy, he did something. We got to get him for something." So I don't think he's gonna get off scot free. Right. But, but I, definitely the the from what I've read, like the testimony of the the actual, um, 
they're, I guess they're not plate. Is this, is, I don't, you know what? This is so ridiculous because I don't even know enough about this case. I don't even know if this is, this is, so right. this is a criminal case. So they're, right. they're not plaintiffs in a criminal case. I forget what they're called. They're, they're, um, they're the, I mean, they're the victims. The victims. I think that I understand where you're going with it. You're t- looking at it as like, as a, inside a law room, thinking about like proving, having evidence to prove someone guilty and having exclusive evidence to find someone not guilty. I think it's just wording. Some people didn't hear. The last part is when you explained all that, but some people, once they hear the first three words, they're just like, nah, we're blocking everything out. Yeah, which is fine. Which is, But that's also like... <clears throat> but I would say this before we go to... Because we, we both think Harvey Weinstein's guilty and we don't think that he should be walking the earth without prison bars. You agree with that, right? Um, again, if if he did what he's accused of doing, then yes, of course. Using power to... If he actually raped anyone, then he, of course. Right. But before that, we just want to clear that out the way just in case so people know your views on it. You're just highlighting a situation. I think what really we want to talk about is a text message that... <laughs> yeah, which is totally unrelated to this. Yeah, because I understand. Which you, is funny. This is, this is your point. You proved it. You You think Harvey's a bad person. You were just talking about the situation. You really don't think he's going to prison. You think that he needs to go to prison for something else. You don't think no one can prove that he's guilty. Well, again, I mean, I get like I I worked at a law firm for two years. I thought I thought about going to law school and then I didn't. I I wish sometimes you ever like hear like um like it would have been cool to just go to law school and just like know all this shit so that you can right. be like, well, actually, the statute. It, do you know? Just like in conversation, it would be cool right. to be able to like bust out. But you know what actually happens in a, this kind of a case? The pre- like I I always liked those kind of people that not, so I wouldn't necessarily want to be a, a, a lawyer right. but it would be cool that I wish I was more informed on like the actual way the process works the process works so cuz my my hunch is that the they had like a slam they thought they had a slam dunk and they don't have a slam dunk but I got but I don't know all the details and I don't know how like the system uh works right. um to, to in that in that detail I wish I did I really wish I did well, we'll just we'll, we're waiting. We're waiting to see what happens to to Harvard. Yeah, they're they're well as we as we speak. The the jury is deliberating. So, so they did uh, they did each each attorney did their final closing statement, and now the jury is deliberating. So, so they have it could be it could be tomorrow. It could be a week from now. <clears throat> okay, so we'll try to drop this before the jury comes out. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we we got that out the way. We we you establish what you feel. This is just you just betting you think that he's not going to do. That's what you think. Uh, so we're going to talk about the text message that threw your whole day off. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Which I, I should say I should say this. We're recording, what, at one thirty in the morning? I am like... Um, Me, I'm wide awake. I, I have an expiration up. date. I, this, okay. this, is how I know I'm, this is how I know I'm old. I used to be able to pull all-nighters, and you right. would never know the next day that I didn't sleep. Now, if I get to bed past 2.30 in the morning, I'm like... I, I, I literally... you right. can. I start to fall off, like I just get. Well, we're gonna get. So to I'm this. so I'm more uncensored now. I'm more raw, which I was also I was also like more raw on stage because I I yeah. had my guard down. Yeah, your guard is down. So if you don't know, Peter Garacci, uh, is inside a rela- He's not in a relationship, but he's inside a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as I said on stage, uh, we've been working it out for about three years. three years, and this is the first time I've seen uh, a forty year old white man cry in front of me on a train <laughs> in public. 
He's cried probably for the past 15 minutes. He's, I was like... Because I thought when you started crying, I was like, are you, are you is it cold or something? No, Usually so, when I see people tear up, I think it's cold. But this is when I realized, like, oh, you're fighting for your relationship. So this is a funny thing about me. It's like, I'm, I'm funny, but I'm also, like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Like, I'm an emotional, like... I cried the first time I saw the first Rambo movie. At the oh end. my god! What the freak? And um, because so, he's Italian. Uh, yeah, Stallone and me, we've had. Peter a, is Italian. If there's you don't a know. deep Stallone and I have had a deep bond my entire my entire life. I was a big. Let's let's go over the text message first, and we're going to preference everything. Peter has been with his girl. Hey, on and off with his girlfriend. Not say her name, even though I mean anybody who we're knows not gonna me is going to know. Well, has been um, on and off with his girlfriend for seven years. Yes, we were. Well, we were together for three plus and then for the last three plus we've been kind of circling around trying to figure out what the f- hell we're doing figured out what it's gonna do so the last time they were together was what i mean we like broke up broke up like two months ago two months but ago. but that was all after like breaking up like four breaking other up. times they've been i've been in the car with them before and i've seen two italians yell and she's black she she's, she's black and she's italian black and italian yeah but the way they argued i thought i was in the good times movie I, no, I think Goodfellas. I thought I was. I thought I was like, someone, someone might get hurt. I say, I, I say a joke <laughs> that uh, the uh, the Italian part of her makes amazing chicken cutlets, and the black part of her yells at me at Target on 117th Street. And it's uh, true, she actually yelled at me in that Target. Why do you think black times. people yell on 117th Street? No, what? in yelling in Target, like yelling I've in public. I've never met a black person to yell in public at a Target before. You never seen a black woman never yell at her life. man? No, Come on. I have not. You I, think you're stereotyping black people? That joke go that joke goes over it goes over. Now well. if you would have said Magic Johnson Theater, I would have been like, Yeah, I've seen that I've seen a fight happen there. I've seen fights happen at Walmart. But Target's more of a classy thing. No, I just it's just that it was actually at the Target Target in, in East Harlem. It wasn't because Target represents anything. It's just that it actually it actually literally happened at the Target. Correct. But I think she had me called by the PA system to come to like I was like a twelve year old. She called you. They they said Peter Garacci, please come to the front desk. <laughs> and then Dang, when I got she there, she you. was yelling at me because I got lost in the Target. Like I like I literally like, a tw- like I was a twelve year old. You got lost in Target, and your girlfriend had me seven paged. Years she had me paged to come to the front to the front desk of the Target, and then she yelled at me for not staying behind her. And and I I'm known to like I'm a little bit as as my one friend said, I'm the uh, for somebody who never did any hard drugs, I'm a little flighty. And yes. so I'm known to like wander off and let's break down the text messages first. Okay, so we haven't spoken we have a cat. You have to preface this that we have a cat. So no, I don't I want I want to do that afterwards. I want to break the text messages. Okay, so down, we then. haven't had any communication except for relating to the cat for the right, last two. But months. we're gonna talk about the cat after you read the text message. Oh, I I gotta re- read she's the text gonna message. this might be the no, final. This is gonna cover. save your relationship. Jared so I should say Jared I said it in the car, y'all love each other in front of you. And she kept telling me to be quiet. No, so this is what I want to say about Jared. Like, Jared and I, I remember, I think, I guess when we met, maybe on Harlem Nights one of those nights. Like, yeah, yeah. We became, like, fast friends. Like, I'm somebody who, um, I make acquaintances easily, but I don't make friends easily. Fast. And we, like, we, like, bonded right away. So you're somebody that, like, I will open up to you in a way that I might not open up to. There's no way I would be having this conversation with another fucking comedian that... But we're, you're a man on the hill. This other guy, a- other guys that I'm friends with that I might even be closer friends with than you, I would not be. I, w- I don't even talk to them about But her. you have to think about it like this. When you open up tonight, you are helping another man in your situation that's probably going through the same yeah, thing. Yeah, so. That probably is in that locked up thing. Like, I'm trying to take a relationship forward. Like, where do we go from here? The reason I bring this up is because you have been 
like ever since I brought her up, you're always like, you gotta, you gotta, this is what you gotta do with this woman. Like, and I'm like, no, 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 it's not, it's bad. Like, she doesn't want to be. You're like, no, 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 you gotta do that. And so we we picked you up one time to take you to governors, yeah. and you got in the car, and you're like, who is this woman? And I was like, no, that's my that's my girl. <laughs> and then this? you told me that when I got off stage, like you, when I was on stage at governors, she was like, he goes, you, you said that the way she was looking at you, like she loves you. She was, yeah, she adored you. Look, I've been seeing women around stand-up comedy a while, right? <laughs> I've seen a lot of women. I've seen girlfriends. I've seen people who don't like stand-up comedy. She was looking at you like she watched the love of her life love someone else in a good way, like happy that you're loving this. She's happy that you're happy. So she was in my laughing at your jokes. At the same time, she was looking around to make sure nobody was heckling you. She's yeah. like, she was like a real wife, like a comedy wife. She's very protective. She's not a comedy spouse because there are comedy husbands out here. She was yeah, very yeah. protective of your jokes. She was making sure the jokes went well. She was supporting the bar. And I was like, oh, they love each other because y'all argued for 40 minutes. In a car. In a car. <laughs> She told you to shut up so many times. And I record. I think I got it all recorded. Then you I record, did. You might have done like you might have gone I was, live. I was like, recording this whole conversation. I was like, these two people argue like they love each other. It was just the the video was of you, but and, and the audio was just of us. This, like when I record the kids, I'm just like, it's me. You can't see anybody else. You just listen to the conversation. So funny, dude. You're so funny. So you guys are having this conversation, and I was sitting there thought about. it. I was like, you. It reminded me of a people who want to be together but can't find. Yeah. So that's been the story. Y'all want to be together. Y'all we, just haven't. We can't. Got we together. can't seem to figure it out. And I and I and I said to you like I think I'm addicted to making my life as difficult as possible. And so is she. And she. I mean, clearly we're like a match made in heaven. And we just or, have to get you guys to heaven. Yeah. First, she needs to give her life to Christ. That's the first problem. She is angry. I'm just I don't no, no, know. No, no, I'm, listen, is she I'm a, Catholic, right? I, she, I, she, I'm, I'm a Christian. She's angry at God. I think she's had. Now, we'll t- we could, we can go this route. You will go that right. There's a reason why you think that she's angry at God because she's had a hard life. Yeah, she's had. She's trauma. met you at a low point in her life. Yeah, and I and the funny thing is, I met her. Well, I mean, you she, were coming out of a low point in your life, I, and she so was going I, into one. I was. I put my life back together after years of disaster, and I I kind of tried. I, I I made a mistake, which is people often make, which is I tried to grab her by the hand and pull her with me, pull her out. And okay. people have to face that shit on their own. They can't. It's okay. the hardest thing. The hardest thing to do is to be around somebody who is suffering in pain, and you can't fix them you can't help them take your time we're gonna get tissues folks we're gonna no, be i'm right. fine i'm fine you sure listen this is not my first rodeo all right so I've okay cried. before we go before we go to before we go to where you where your devils were let's talk about not her demons but we talk about she was having a hard time because she lost important people in her life when you yeah. met her and and you know which you know so it was a tough childhood and then she lost her job um and then we met. And Did her mother pass away before she lost her job? or No, her mother died like a Young. long time ago. Okay. Like 15 years ago. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine. Like, I, I just lost my grandmother last year at 93. I can't imagine what it's right. like. I've, I have had no tragedy in my life. I met all four of my grandparents. They were in my life until they were in their 90s. I still have a grandfather alive. My parents are still married. No one's ever had any, you know... But I've had, you know, I've had friends lose parents. I've had any kind of uh, difficulty in my life has been self-created by me. But what, okay, so she she doesn't have a job when you meet. Where do y'all meet at? Where do y'all? So I was working at a little Italian restaurant. Um, it's actually cute because I had wanted. It's I, typical stuff. So it, it's a funny story. So I, 
um I worked at a little Italian restaurant. I was a, I was a waiter. I was like I said, I was just putting my life together. I was living in no, I had moved to the city finally. I'd been living at my grandmother's house in Jersey and commuting for years. And this really cute little neighborhood restaurant. The bar I think sat nine people, maybe, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. And I had met a couple girls and it was just wasn't going anywhere. I couldn't even I couldn't get like a third date. I was like really in a bad way. This is 2013, yes? Uh, Give or take. Yeah, 2012, 2013. Yeah, that's when I And I see a pretty girl sitting at the bar with another woman that she was friends with. They were clearly together. And even my, like, one of the managers was like, oh, did you see that girl at the bar? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, yes, I did. And, you know, the night started to get a little quieter. The seats around the bar started to empty up. And I'm not, like, I'm bold sometimes. You're pretty bold. I can be bold. You're bold I, I mean, on Instagram, too. I can be shy, but I can also be... Am I bold on Instagram? Remember uh, that post I commented on? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> funny. See, I don't even think of that as being... Maybe that's... Maybe I'm just like... That's bold. I might just have Asperger's because like, I don't hey, know like, the whoa. social cue. Like, I don't know when sometimes when I'm like... Other people are like, oh, that's really a, a thing yeah, that you I did. I was like, man, Peter's shooting his shot right here in the open, isn't uh, he? So, so, I... And it's my friend Carmen, who was the bartender. He was like, he was, he was helpful. So I like sat at the end of the bar because you know we would kind of like what would, is this an episode of Dick Tracy. We, or we would hang at the end. We would hang at the end of the bar. So I sat at the end of the bar, and Carmen goes, "Oh, Peter's, you know, Sicilian too." And so this girl, she was talking about how her father is from Sicily. I was like, "Oh, where's your father from?" She said, "Castellammare, which is a beautiful place that I've been to in Sicily." I've been to Sicily too, as well. And um. And I so I started telling her about it. She's like, oh, yeah, I've never been there. So we started talking a little bit. And and then her friend did the coolest thing, which is her friend started to, like, retreat a little bit so that we would have a little one-on-one time. Because if it, there had been two women there, I might not have been as bold. But since the friend kind of backed up a little bit and gave us a little space, I said, hey, listen. I, I literally said this is so cheesy. I was like, hey, if you ever want to, like, get together and talk about, like, Sicily – you know, can I get your number? So the funny thing, the cute thing is, is that when we were like together and everything was great, she'd always be like, tell me again about the story about the time that you asked me out. And, um, cause then I, and then I called her, which she said, she goes like, she's like, I was very impressed that you like actually called me to like say hello and asked me out on a proper date. So you called the night or you called No, I the called date? a couple of days later and then I took her out to like my, did you pass your phone to her or she put it in herself? I don't remember. I think I just asked her for a phone number, and then I she, I may have texted her one time and said, like, "Hey, oh, this is Peter." Yeah, I think it, it was. It was. I remember because it was right around Halloween, so I was like, "Hey, I hope you're having a fun Halloween." What you type know? of phone did you have? At the time, I had an early iPhone. I think iPhone three, probably. Okay, so know. you had the three with the wide base. Probably, yeah, yeah. And she says she gives you a number. Does she leave the bar then? She leaves. Yes. So the thing that was cute too is I never worked on Tuesdays. I picked up a Tuesday night. And the way that she found her way there was that her and her friend were going to a work party on the block. It was lame. And when they got off the subway, they said, oh, remember that cute spot on the corner that we saw when we got off the subway? Right. Why don't we just go there and have a drink? Okay. So that's how we met. So it was like, it was nice. We it weren't was like supposed a, to be working on a Tuesday. And she, she had never been there. Be there. She there. found her way in there Yo, and we met. And you're both are Sicilian. Yes. Beautiful I didn't woman know, too. I've met her before. She's so beautiful. she, yeah. So she, I thought she was Hispanic, which a lot of people think. So I didn't. She's uh, Sicilian, and her mother was black, which I didn't even realize until she told me. And I, should, I go, oh, I was like, like in a Bronx tale. Sammy Davis. Uh, was he? 
I know you know what I'm saying? Money talks. Oh, I don't remember. Chris, and, Chris and, Sucker pretended yeah, to be black and, and, and Bronx In Bronx Tale, they... Okay. Well, there's like Giancarlo uh, Esposito. He's famously mm. black and Italian. Okay. I don't know, but yeah, John he's, Spes- act, he, he's in. Uh, he's bugging out in uh, Do the Right Thing. There we go. Now you got Which is very specific. interesting. See, that's... I mean, we just did that... Uh, we just did Do the Right Thing on my podcast, and it got a little heated because we were talking about this stuff. Like, that's a very interesting move by Spike to cast an actor who's Italian and black... To play the character that incites a fight with a bunch of Italians in the neighborhood that leads to like the horrible like climax of that movie. Don't judge me. I've never seen do the right thing before. Really? We, no. You watch, should watch it and talk. About you got it. the DVD at your house? No. I, Is I, it on Netflix? I got it. I got the DVD from Netflix. I'm old school. I get DVDs in the mail. I'm the last guy in New York that still. I'm does. gonna watch it now. I'm gonna watch it. Okay, so we go there. You guys meet. You set her up. You call her and say what? Uh, I, I asked her on a date. I'm the bald dude from the bar. Yeah, remember me? I'm the funny guy. What did she say? I don't remember this at this point. On, I remember you, we. I remember, remember. I remember we talked one time. I was at a diner and I was eating a. Uh, I was actually eating a milkshake at the diner, mm-hmm. and I and she didn't believe me, so I sent her a picture of the milkshake to be like, no, really, I'm I'm eating a milkshake right now at the diner. <laughs> Where was your first date at? So my favorite place, my favorite pizza place in New York City, is a place called Lucali. In, okay. in Carroll Gardens And she actually lived In Carroll Gardens But had never been there Okay So I said Why don't we go to Lucali So I met her there I was late Because I lived in Jersey At the time Late so to I your was, first date So I was late To the first date Starting And I remember her standing I remember her standing Outside of the place Like kind of huffing Like kind of Like her nose was in the air Because she was like pissed Like really this guy's Going to fucking Stand me up right. But we went in there If you've never been there It's like a really charming Little like candlelit room Small like place You have to wait Sometimes an hour To sit down And it's BYOB So I had a friend His name is Lucky John And he made it He's an Italian guy That made wine And I took a bottle That Lucky John gave me And I brought A bottle of homemade wine To Lucali So not only, not only Was I taking her To like this dope pizza place um, as a first date, but I brought a bottle of wine that my friend made, now which is very unique. What did very, she say when she saw you pull up? She was like, oh, like she was like, I could tell she was pissed and I felt bad. I was like, listen, I'm so sorry. Like it took me, you know, there was traffic, blah, blah, blah. But like I could see she had like a bit of an attitude. I like girls with attitude and I could sense it on her right. I mean, anybody who knows her, anyone who's seen her around me. Like she's got a huge fucking attitude, which I like. I like a challenge. I want. I can't be with a girl who's like, a girl. If a girl's like too nice to me, it's fireworks when y'all are together. Yeah, and I it's lose interest. Of, I lose interest very quickly if there's not fireworks. It's fireworks, but entertaining. Oh, it's. I'm sure so, a camera crew should follow us around all day long. It's. I think it's hel- probably very hilarious. entertaining. I wanted to do a like a film a pilot with her. Where we do like a either a cooking show or like a home building show where we're like the couple on the show. She doesn't want to be a part of the business. Not at all. Anyway. She so this is what's interesting too. So I started I um I did stand up for the first time when I was eight. Let's not skip that part. Let's okay. go to the first date. Let's finish how Okay, so how the first date, date went really uh we went to another there's another bar in that neighborhood called Brooklyn Social Club, which is one of my favorite bars that let's literally like she's like, Oh, I go there all the time. That's like that's like down the street from my apartment. So we went there and we had a drink and I think I kissed her at the bar. In the mouth. Yeah. How else is one? I don't know. Some Italians kiss on the cheek. Or no, I mean, you always kiss on the cheek too. But I, I kissed her right. I planted one right and on the lips. She kissed you back? Yes. And then? I knew. I mean, I don't. So you all start dating? We started dating. After that, you all start dating. You made we, it clear to her that we look, talked I'm for to a be couple a of months and then this was probably October and then by January we decided to like. 
she she said to me, she goes, I don't know if I want to have like a serious blah blah blah. And then I I said, well, I, I it's funny because I don't remember now. I remember the first time I said I love you more than I remember like when did you say it? So we went to Montauk for the weekend in that March, which was two months after we like. Did you say you loved her after she started living with you or before she started living? With you? Oh no, before we started living okay. together. We went to Montauk for a weekend, which I had never really. That it was like a big thing. Like we like took a vac- like a mini vacation together. We got like a hotel. We drove out there. I jumped in the ocean. It was like thirty degrees. It was exhilarating. Now let's let's let the people know you guys. You said you loved her within five months, four months. Yeah, uh, maybe sooner. Would you maybe say that you guys? Months. Yeah, it, it fell moved, in love quick. It moved fast. Yeah. And I think with the society that we live in today, that people can love quick. I believe in love at first sight. So I, I also, I was at a point in my life too, and I'm, I mean, I'm seven years later. I'm, I'm like, I'm not looking to screw around. Like I'm looking for something serious. Like I, like. But I feel like you're playing around now. I listen. Listen. Meeting girls is easy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying. But like girls. really connecting with somebody right. and really finding somebody is is hard. You so know that she's the one. If not, I'm not prototype. looking to like mess around. I'm looking to like be, be looking for a wife. Be serious. Yeah. I'm like you I'm ready to have like, kids. I'm have. I'm like a little baby crazy. And like I smell like babies. And I'm around my nephews. And I was like, I can do this. I could be a dad. Okay. So first date goes good. Um, let's before we go, y'all moving in together. That was her coming into the relationship, you coming in. You were coming from what? Because you said you just got out of hitting rock bottom. Yeah, so I had a really bad gambling problem for years. So I had been living in my grandmother's house. Basically, I, you know, I grew up in a culture where everyone played cards. Like, my dad took me to Vegas when I turned 21. Like, it just, it was, if, if I had, like, if I told my parents I had a drinking problem, they would have been like, oh, <gasps> Like, no drugs, no alcohol. Like, it was, like, okay. shameful. But, like, everybody they knew gambled. And it was just around. Like, guys got together. They played cards. How like, bad was it? How bad? How much it got money re- have you lost? I mean, I can't even count. Like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But I was. I spent dollars. years. I, let's put it this way. I spent years where I was, I was waiting tables in the city, making really good money, and never had any money and I was like living in my grandma's house because I didn't have the money to I, I couldn't like take the step to like move out and get an apartment at one point I had a chance to move into an apartment in Manhattan and I didn't take it because I was nervous about the money and then I got another job where I was making even more money but I was just like I was in this like cycle where I was living in my grandma's house I was miserable because all like since I was a little kid my dream was to live in New York City like I wanted to be here and I'm working in New York City making money, and I'm stuck in New Jersey, which was like the worst case scenario. So you're 33 at your grandmother's house in your grandma's basement. At that point, I'm. If, by the time I'm 33, this is like f- six years of this. No, living, I mean living, not in her basement, but like living in, she had a, like an extra bedroom. And I was, I, was, I was like helping her. I had an aunt that was, um, my great aunt was, my, my great uncle who was like a, a third grandfather to me. He, he and his wife, they lived across the street. They didn't have any kids. I loved him. His wife, I fucking hated. And she was like, she was crazy. Like, little, and I don't say that word lightly. She was crazy. Like, she was like certifiably mentally ill. In, uh, I mean, Did they gamble too? Uh, he, I'd heard that he, when he was younger, yes. But he, no kids. He lived in an apartment. He was like a sweet old man. And then he passed away. He had emphysema. And then he finally died. And I was like, cry, like, like I said, he was like a third grandfather to me. She, um, 
then basically was abandoned by her family because she she probably was schizophrenic and then she started to have dementia too. And at this point, she's 82 years old. She Listen, she never wanted to take any medication. He, pro- he probably had some medication for her, for her mental illness. She never wanted to take it. She used to hit him. Like he had bruises on his hands. So we mm-hmm. all knew that she abused him. But he was embarrassed. He didn't want to talk about it. Like he would like run away. Like he would get in his car and like run away. He was, he was also crippled. He had polio. So his one leg was shorter than the other. So he was really kind of stuck with this woman. And I fucking hated her for that. So the, this is I, all in your grandparents' house. This is across the street from my grandma's oh, house. Oh, so this is like so an she's Italian like coming over. Yeah, this is in the neighborhood. So everyone's just coming so my over uncle and dies, and now she's all alone. Her family tries to, um, like, deal with house. her, but they can't deal with her. So that her family completely abandons her. So like I'm literally the only person there. So You're me caregiver. Me and my grandmother basically become her caregiver. I had her on seven pills a day. Oh she started God. taking like, like there's there's literally like two, like different kinds of like antipsychotic medication, and it's mm-hmm. like you either take this pill or you take this pill. I had her on both pills. Like that's how, and she had like full strength. I find so we have to we have to preference this because when you say living at home with your grandparents at 33, it sounds like you're a scrub, but at the same time no, you're literally a caretaker. My grandmother also had a uh, apartment building, so I was basically like a tenant, like a so well, I was like a super for her too. Like I was like dealing with the tenant. So yeah, my so grandmother didn't speak English. So so the funny thing is, is that I would I'd have all this stress from my family, and then I would be like, you know what, I deserve to get away from this. So I would I would drive to Atlantic City as like my relief from like all the craziness of my life at one point i put it this way at one point i went to go get a massage i paid 80 dollars for like a fuck like an amazing like professional massage i felt great mm-hmm. i get dressed i turn my phone on there's all these calls and messages my grandmother's got a problem my other my aunt my dad immediately all the tension came back into my back and i was like well why did i pay Somebody for a massage would literally like my problem isn't muscle tension. My problem is all this stress and anxiety from my from Family. my from my li- my my life, my living situation. Was it from your life or the gambling as well? How like so the gambling was just another. I it's it's where you take something that it's you take a life that's already difficult and you make it impossible. So I would go I would go to Atlantic City thinking like oh this is my escape. I can get now I can come down here and started out playing poker small. And, you know, they say that gambling is a progressive, like, addiction. And I saw the progression because I literally went from – and, again, like, I, 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 like, me and my buddies would go sometimes. And, you know, we would mess around. But it was never anything crazy. But it's like you go down there with 100 bucks and you lose 100 bucks, And then – and you're like, who – you know, who goes to the ATM? I wouldn't pay an ATM fee now. Like, who goes to the ATM in a casino? Like, what are you, nuts? Right. And then a couple months goes by and then all of a sudden you're going to the ATM in the casino. What's and the then most a, that you've won? I, at no, one point, so I started playing. I, I it's funny enough. I started playing blackjack because I got tired of taking bad beats in poker. Uh-huh. A bad beat is like when something like next to impossible happens, like a hand that you should win, Doesn't you end happen. up losing. is It's called a, a bad beat because like a because of the turn of the cards. So I got real sick of taking bad beats. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a break from this, and I'm gonna start playing blackjack. So for whatever reason, I started winning right away at blackjack. I was down to my last. $25 which I had which was from money that I had borrowed from my cousin I told him I had to like pay for a class or something I told him I was like taking an acting class or something and so I turned that $25 into what? into about $40,000 come on now 
not right, not immediately, but like that first day, I think I won fifteen hundred from the twenty five dollars. What did you? And then I won back, and I won like seven. Did you do then, like a wrapper and like put the money somewhere? They give you, they give you, you push your chips in the middle, and they give you like five thousand dollars like wrapped in like the paper from the What's bank. What's the most money you ever showed somebody? I so I so I would go there. Like I had it. To, there was a point where I was like, I like knew what like one night like the lucky dealer was there. I would play like in the, what's called the pit in the Borgata, which is like hundred dollar minimum section. Like uh, Big Poppy from the Red Sox would be yeah, there sometimes playing Poppy. the next table over. There'd be oh, like wow. Eagles and stuff. Yeah, I heard like like Jordan would be there sometimes. I never saw Jordan, but like he would be there like in the like super super VIP area, rich like, area. Um, so at one point I had to like. And I was doing this. I was like, I'd be gambling for like 15, 18 hours, and then I would drive two hours back to North Jersey. I would sleep for two hours, and then I would go work a double at a restaurant waiting tables. Can you tell so, me the story how you had? Set, so at one point, I I gambled all night. I drove back to work, and I was with my two like buddies that I work with, and I said, "Hey guys, do you want to see what seventeen thousand dollars looks like?" <laughs> and so I took them into the back room, and they were like literally like taking photos the money with the money and they're like oh my god this is amazing i took people with me i got sweets i, I even like i took my friend on a, a call that we called it a mancation but uh-huh. this was early before people had terms like that we i think we invented mancation and i'm sitting at the blackjack table with him and i told the dealer i go um she's like oh what are you guys doing i was like oh we're down here for the you know night we're hanging out and i go uh you know what i want to do i'm gonna win five thousand for me and i you know i just for fun i want to win a grand i want to win two grand for my friend and she's like, "What are you nuts?" And I go, "No, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna win five thousand, and I'm gonna win another two thousand, and I'm gonna give it to my friend." And then we got to the point where I think I had five thousand, and then I had fifteen hundred for him. And I go, "All right, we're cashing out." She goes, "That's it. You're just gonna leave?" I said, "Yeah, no. I feel I feel like we're done." So for a while there, I was actually. What did able- that guy say? Thank you so. Yeah, I. T- I mean, I was tipping. I was tipping the cocktail waitress a hundred dollars for bringing me a hot chocolate. I actually went on a date with this girl who was a cocktail waitress. Should have realized that she was nuts. But I gave her a hundred bucks for a hot chocolate, and then she gave me her number on the on the cocktail napkin. <laughs> she said, "Oh, you got a hundred dollars. I know you got more when that comes." She from. was uh, she was cute. She was Chinese. We went out one time. She bought me uh, green uh, green tea ice cream, which I had never had before. So, and we saw the movie just real quickly. This is like we went to see the movie Fifty Fifty. It's Seth Rogen. Oh, Seth Rogen. He has cancer. Oh, no, uh, His friend Jonathan Gordon Levitt has cancer, and I'm in the theater sitting next to her. I'm like, don't. I'm. I'm like, I hope she doesn't see the tears. I'm like crying in the movie yeah. theater. On if you don't know, date. Peter is a crier. <laughs> I, just, I just found that out tonight at one a.m. I found that out tonight. Okay, let's let's do that. So, when did you hit rock bottom? When did you know that gambling? When did gambling hit you to the so, point where like I gotta stop? I gotta all right, get so help. this is and I this I hate even admitting this because this is really. So I was a kind of person. I was always an honest person. I was a person that um, I would w- walk a block to save 25 cents on a cup of coffee. Like I was always like that, but like gambling makes you lose your, your fucking mind. So I became my, and I became my aunt's caretaker and she had money left over from my uncle. And she said to me, she goes, pay for my life and whatever's left over when I die is, is yours. Pay for my life. What like she, like she's like, take care of me, like take care of whatever I need. So I had like, I had a tab going at the deli across the street where she would go and have breakfast. Like she didn't have any concept of money. She never paid a bill. She said to me at one point, she goes, I've reached the age where I no longer have to pay my bills. I was like, well, that's funny because they'll turn your lights off if you don't pay the light bill. So I was paying all her bills, getting her medication. Then I put her in um, – I actually ended up putting her in a nursing home, which 
I thought was like going to alleviate the problem. And she ended up, I had to end up having to go to the nursing home like three times a week because she was like having like full on meltdowns. Panic attacks and stuff. In the nur- and she spoke Italian. They had Polish nurses. It was just, it was, I, I just couldn't get any relief. And I was like super panicked. I didn't know what to do. So what happened was uh, they have, there's a thing in a casino called a marker, mm-hmm. which is where they basically give you a free loan to gamble. And I went oh, in and wow. I got a marker. Somebody, one of the gamblers, another gambler goes, oh, you should get a marker. And so I go and I said, how do I get a marker? And they, they actually had my records of my gambling. And the, the guy, the boss of the casino, one of the bosses goes, he goes, oh, you're a nice little gambler here. I see uh, you, you come, you play with us often. He goes, I can give you, um, he goes, if, if you take out a $5,100 marker, you get 45 days to pay back interest free. That's like a service that they provide for the gambler so that they, you don't have to carry all the cash with them. So I took out a marker and I lost the $5,100, which I did not have. So I took the money out of the joint account I had with my aunt. And then I went to go pay that back. And then I went to pay it back. And then I lost again. And then I went to pay it back and I lost it again. And now I'm like, I'm... So then my aunt started to deteriorate and it looked like she was close to dying. And I literally was like in the casino praying that I would like win. I was like, dear God, let me win this money so I can put this money back in the bank. And like, once you start losing like that, you're just like, like I was winning, winning, winning for a couple months. And I was like untouchable and I got sweets and fucking steak dinners. The minute I started losing, I never won again. I was just like tainted. And I remember being, um, my aunt deteriorated to the point where she was in hospice. I never saw her conscious again. And I sat at, at I sat at her side and I and I thanked her and I said because the shame of knowing that I had become this person that mm-hmm. I would that I would do such a thing is what made me stop because I could have done a lot more damage I had access to more money when she died there was still money in the bank but I I couldn't believe that I had become this person because it was everything against who I was as a person and I was I said I said thank you to her because if it wasn't for her. When, when it was just me losing my money and going to work every week and like literally losing my paycheck, knowing oh, I'm going to get another paycheck next week, I could justify it. But when I become, had become this person who was dishonest and was Shame like really sh- and, sh- and shameful and anybody at any point, if anybody like looked at the bank records and been like, well, dude, why is there this money missing from the account? I, I would I wanted to get caught and I and I just never got I was just getting away with it and it the getting away with it it was like more corrupting and made me more messed up in the head I was the inside. super I, I like I like to joke that I'm like 85% manic and 15% depressed and that was true then too like I was very manic I, I couldn't my I would I would sleep but I would be tossing and turning my head would be spinning all night and when you're when you're a gambler you don't get you don't sleep well okay um and so finally she um she passes away and I said, you know what? Thank you. You know, thank you for this gift because she really, and I thank my uncle too, because they, like, it was really for them that I was like, you know what? I, I have to, I, I don't want this for my life. And I want to stop. And that's when I, that's when I quit gambling. And that was it. My life, everything in my life changed within six months. I had was able to like get a room in an apartment in Astoria. And then six months after that is when I met Joelle. So I, when I met her, I was like, just, new at living like an adult I was so just, you so you stepped into manhood yes you're yeah. into manhood late very late what, embarrassingly 33? late but 33. but finally I mean, decided to turn my life around that you came from a big family and i think that's it's a culture wise because in other cultures people live with their families until they're dead free 
Or you know, my or dad. They stay my dad they moved. Out, my house. dad moved out when he got married, but he got married at twenty nine. Uh, he got married at tw- yes. He had me at thirty one. Got married at twenty eight. So you meet her. You meet your lady at thirty three, right? So thirty three, you're officially clean. You're clean. How yeah. long have you been clean from gambling? When, when I met, met her, her, was a little over a year. Did you tell her that you had a gambling issue? So it's funny because I had gone on a couple of dates, and when you like a thing that happens, like is you you can be like an oversharer. So I would go on a date with a girl and be like, yeah, you know, I used to have a gambling problem. And it's like, I would just like, I would put, you would put too much on a person when you first meet them. So I actually had learned to not do that. And the funny thing with her was we had gone on a couple of dates, we're hanging out and she goes, what's your, what's your deal? She goes, you're not, you know, you don't have a drinking problem. Drugs are not your thing. She goes, are you a, like, are you a gambler or something? Dang. And I go, why would you say that? She goes, I just, she goes, I sense that you had a problem that you like overcame. And like, I, I, like I said, like clearly it's not drugs and alcohol. She so, read you. so, and I was like, wow. So I didn't want to tell her yet. And she, she sensed it, um, which was like, what? So I, then I told her and I, it is funny thing is I had a lot of anxiety about it with her, well, with her and like opening up to her. And then I finally told her the thing that was caused me the most shame and anxiety, which is the thing about my aunt. And when I when I told her that, like immediately, like the anxiety burden was came off. What did she say? She said it's. She says it's okay. She goes, everybody, you know, screws up, and like it's okay that you, you know, it's like I understand that, like I understand you're trying to be a better person. She goes, I think that's admirable. So you are going up in life because you just kicked your addiction. Yeah. You meet her. You said she's going down a little bit because she just lost her job. She had lost. She was like, when I met her, she was What like, was she doing to lose her job? She was freelance. I, 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 she told me that, oh, you she's know. She's a writer, right? She worked for a newspaper, but she was on like the marketing side. And she had okay. like, then she got like a, uh, she had like a, she lost that job. A bunch of people like in her office like got laid off. And then she was like, uh, f- um, she was doing like a freelance, like, part-time thing and then she lost that and then so she was like having a tough time like she had been in new york for a while she had like kind of I, I get the sense that she had like you know she left california behind and she left she the left pain. to california to make it in she new left york. the pain of of you know what you know what that reminded her of from her childhood to come and start a new life in new york and then all of a sudden new york wasn't working so good okay so it's not working so good but before we go into her when did you find your house? Like how to tell good stories, how you found your own place, right? Oh, or did you meet, did you have your own place before you met? No, no. When I met her, I was literally living with, they were two cooks. They were like young, like getting drunk every night. They were like working at like restaurants, like young. I was like, uh-huh. so I was renting the room in Astoria with them and they were like, the, the landlord hated them and like came in like screaming one night because they were like, they'd be like partying like while I was asleep in the other room. So when I start, first started dating her, she had like a like a sweet apartment in Carrow Gardens that she was gonna eventually move out because her uh, landlord sold it to some like Connecticut guy who was gonna like gut renovate the whole house. Got it. And then I was living in that room, and then I had you want, should I tell the the penthouse story? Yeah. So again, like this is that's where I was going. I lit like I've had some like weird blessings in my life. Like I've faith, I've walked that's away. What, no, that's, I have faith. I do have faith. I'm 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 a believer. I walked. I didn't tell you about the, about the, the when I oh dude this so this is related to g- gambling, so when I I had like hit I kind of run out of money gambling oh, dude I can't believe I forgot this story, so I run out of gambling I'd run out of money gambling I was working at the little restaurant so this little this little restaurant was so small 
that the prep kitchen was actually in the basement. So they had a trap door that they would have to run up and down from the main kitchen to the prep kitchen to like in the middle of service. Little tiny place that sat like 30 people. So one night, we, it was so slow that we cut the buster. So me and another server were doing everything ourselves, even busting the tables. And there was literally a curtain that you got into the kitchen. And sometimes the trap door would be open. So they put the, the linen basket behind the curtain. And if mm-hmm. you felt the linen basket, that meant don't come in because the trap door is open. So I'm not used to busting tables. So I'm pushing through the curtain with a handful of plates. Next thing I know, I feel air. I felt like I blacked out immediately. I fell down the trap door, midair turned so that I landed completely 180 the opposite direction of the way that I fell, landed on my butt with my feet in front of me, sitting up. And the people upstairs, the cooks, they thought maybe that I was dead. I had I had what they thought was uh, blood all over me. I was carrying. We were famous for like a bolognese sauce. They thought you. So dead. the so the bolognese the plates went flying and the bolognese landed on my head. So they thought it was like chunks of brain and blood on my head. So ambulance came. It like the doctors like I went to the ER. Doctors like it's a miracle. Like there's nothing. There's no concussion. There's no broken bones. There's nothing. So literally, I was like I. I'm in bed for like a day. Like my back is a little bit sore. And then I was like, I got to press my luck. And so I go to Atlantic City and that's when I started winning. And I thought that God was like, I thought God was rewarding me for all my years of suffering and losing by letting me win. So that, that happened. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm untouchable. I'm unstoppable. And so so that that's the blessing, and talk about how you got the penthouse. So you're oh, living so in this there's a nu- so, massive penthouse. So I'm living in a little dinky, uh, not dinky, but like it was like a, not an ideal situation, like sharing a room with like a, a couple of twenty something like cooks. So I got to move out. The lease is up, whatever. So I literally, at that point, what I could afford is if you take the four train to the very end in Brooklyn, and then you walk six past six blocks past where beyond where the subway is and then you're looking at buildings that it's still two by fours and they haven't finished the apartments yet but the landlord promises that in two weeks the apartment's gonna be ready to go never get finished that's what i was like looking at to rent so i i was like trying to figure out what i was gonna do i didn't want to have to move back to grandma's house so when i was working at the restaurant it's in the neighborhood on the upper east side there was a woman Phyllis, who had a, a white lab that i and i used i became friends with the dog i used to walk the dog i used to hang out with the dog the dog's name was Willie. So what did the dog say when you met him? He was. I, I mean, I'm just. I just like. I don't know. Just, he was. Like, he just let me rub him. He's like. Lay, he's like. You know That's when so dogs weird. just like lay on their back and they're just like they, they're so excited to see you. The the his tail would like wag and he like knocks kids over. The dog was too much for her, and so I th- I, I really feel like a voice said to me, "Go talk to Phyllis." So I called Phyllis. It was a brutally cold day. Well, I st- how long have you been walking this dog for? Like he's a couple just, months. Okay, I, so you've been walking. Around. And um, I become friends with her, and I and I remember I stopped in like the Wall Street area, and I'm just right. like, literally just like walking around like Battery Park, and it's like so cold. The wind is whipping off the river, and a voice says, uh, "Ask Phyllis." So I called Phyllis up and I said, Phyllis, hey, I'm, I'm coming by the neighborhood. Let me take the dog for a walk. It's too cold for you to take okay. the dog out today, and I got a question for you. So I said, Phyllis, I'm going to I'm gonna take the dog out. But, like, you know, do you know anybody who's, like, renting uh, an apartment? I'm looking for something. You know, maybe somebody has, like, a townhouse with, like, a basement 
like kind of illegal apartment. And she goes, funny you should ask. Take the dog for a walk, and when you get back, we're going to talk. So she was a therapist, so she sat me in her office. She sat behind her desk, and I sat in the chair like I was her patient. Correct, client. And she had like her hands clasped, and she said, you know, it's very interesting that you asked me this question because I have a, an apartment a couple blocks away, and I've had tenants there for five years that I've known, and they're moving out in two weeks. And she goes, you, you, you know, look at the apartment and tell me what you think. So we meet. The apartment is a penthouse apartment on the Upper East Side with w- windows facing 87th, Lex, and 86th. Moving on up like the oh, no, Jefferson. No, I'm sorry, board. 88th, Lex. Th- literally windows on three side, on three streets. And Moving doorman. And so I, I grew up watching the Jeffersons. I was a block from Pan- Park Avenue. And, and I told her what I could afford, which was $1,200 a month. And she goes... Um, she basically was holding onto the apartment until she was ready to sell her townhouse and just move into the apartment herself when she didn't want to like walk the stairs anymore. So I was able to move into, and she also had a son that was in law school and then he was going to eventually, uh, move back. So I had the apartment to myself, penthouse apartment, $1,200 a month, uh, six months removed from living at my grandmother's house with no prospects in sight. Um, I'm dating this just girl. Just quit gambling. Just quit gambling. Just started finally having some money. And now I'm living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan in a penthouse with a doorman, with elevator. And was she surprised when you told her, this is what, look what I just did. Look where. Yeah, I said, I, I said, wait till you hear this. And so, she, you know, she started staying with me. And then it got to a point where she was, the, so the son came back from law school and was going to move to New York. And then after like two months, he's like, actually, I'm taking a job in L.A. Okay. So for so I was there for two years. He lived there for two months of the two years. The rest of the time I had the apartment to myself. But then my, my girlfriend then moved in. I asked if it was okay for her to move in with me. So she moved in with me. Why did she move in? Because she then like was about to lose her apartment, and I, I I'm a fixer. I'm a like I'm a savior guy. So I was like, no, I, you know, I have like a savior complex. So I was like, oh, okay. you know, I'll talk to your lawn, landlord. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to tell the landlord. Blah blah blah. And then finally, I was like, well, why don't you know? If you know you got to move out eventually, you might as well just move out and and move in with me. This was all within six months. No, this was within y'all meeting each other. maybe nine months. So nine months she moves in, and what's it like her living with you? It's good, except she's now like when she's like not working. I I became a manager at, instead of just being a server. So like that was a step for me. But which it was a step that I thought I was taking for us though. Like I was already looking like planning. Like I don't want to be a fucking waiter, you know, for the rest of my life. And I, you know, I'd been an actor. I I had thought about doing stand up, but I never had the courage to do it. So I was like, I gotta I gotta do something in my life. So I've decided to like become a manager. So then I was like way busy. I was way stressed out. I'm somebody who, again, like I am very, like I can be very high strung. So I was bringing. Did y'all ever have times where y'all just sat down and like had a day where it was just her day? Um, I mean, we did a lot of stuff that she wanted to do. Like we traveled a lot, which is what she wanted to do. Like where? Give me, where'd y'all go? We went to Edinburgh and London. We went to Portugal. for This, uh, this is like, this is, our, this was our, this was the best of our relationship in a nutshell. So she's like, I want to go on a big trip. And I'm like, and I'm like, hemming and all. I'm like, ah, I finally got money. And now I got to spend money on a trip. I'm like, I'm like, I can be a little bit of a miserable. So I was like, and she's like, I want to go to Portugal. I was like, I grew up around Portuguese people. Like, why would we go to Portugal? I was like, we've been going to Portuguese restaurants in Newark my entire life. So she literally put together like the nicest email I've ever seen. Like she sent me a proposal for a vacation. 
literally day by day, this is where we're going to stay. These are these are hyperlinks to the hotel. This is we're going to do this for three days, and we're going to eat at these possible restaurants, and we're going to see these possible sites. Like literally took us through the whole trip. And I was so impressed with the email that I was like, I have to go on this trip. So another thing we would always fight about when she was like kind of like, she's like remember she's like you fought me you didn't want to go on the trip and then we went to portugal and you were like you were so happy the whole time we were, we went like, to lisbon we went to lisbon we went to sintra we went to the sintra. algarve i love that little castle so i grew up next near the algarve fish market i didn't know what the algarve was when i was a kid i just knew that's where my dad went and got his fish but the algarve is like the southern part of portugal of portugal portugal was incredible now it's overrun by tourists like six seven years ago there was no americans really going there oh not not a lot there's like a big college there or something like that so i see a lot of international kids me and my lady mm. went there this i mean summer. they have university and stuff but like it wasn't really a destination place until like a year after we went so when we got there they were like they didn't even really know how to like deal with americans like everything was like way cheaper than it should have been like we never felt like you were getting ripped off or like taking advantage of like which i felt like in italy and france all of the time right. because they're so used to dealing with tourists and try to squeeze tourists out of money but that trip was like was incredible like that was like i had never done anything we were there for 15 days i'd never done That's anything remote me like that with a girl how what this is year one Portugal? This was probably a year after we'd been together. But then uh, this is also like a point of pressure for me because it's like okay, now but I then it's like, it again. but then it's like, well, you know, my friend's getting married in California. Okay, we got to go to California for the friend's wedding, and then my other friend's getting married in England. Okay, we go to England for the the friend. All right, well now my friend's getting married. Another friend's getting married in Texas. I was like, I don't really want to do. Like I I think we should not go on this trip, and we fought about it, and then it turned out to kind of be a bad. It, like that trip didn't go well and then I and me kind of being a bit of a jerk I never said like see you should have listened to me I told you it was going to be a bad trip but I probably gave off those vibes of like see I told you like why don't you listen to me like I, I, I it can't just be that every time you know one of your friends is getting married that we're going to like put ourselves in financial jeopardy because you have to be there God forbid you miss a wedding but wasn't it your friend getting married not hers no this was her, these were all hers every. I, I wanted to go to my cousin's wedding in Mexico that we didn't go to because we had just gone to another destination wedding for her. So that so was you a, guys have been playing house well, before marriage. You two guys are pretty much common law marriage. Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah. We were basically – we had a cat at that point. We when adopted a cat, cat together. Because that's the reason why we said the cat. If you don't know, folks uh, – Peter and they don't girl. know. <laughs> Why would they know? They don't know. People who don't know, but Peter and his girl have a cat that they share together. So I and should, after they've broken up, their excuse to see each other is that always they share the cat. We basically share custody of the cat. The cat. So the I. So what happened was I I cat sat for a friend, and I've always had this thing with animals. My father too. Like we, the men in my family, like we have this like weird connection with. Right. I say that I'm a sheep whisperer. Like if you see me like on a farm. Like the animals just like follow me. I think you're more a cat whisperer. But I'm also a cat whisperer. Okay. So so my my aunt who's like a crazy cat lady who has like six cats, um, she works with some like adoption agency in New Jersey. When she found out that I had um, uh, cat sat, she goes, "Oh, there's this, this there's this special cat that I want you to adopt." So I was like, "I don't know, I'm gonna adopt a cat." So I went to this lady's house. This cat had been found coming out of a swamp as a kitten. She was abandoned in a swamp in New Jersey. She had a hernia, so they gave they they gave her hernia surgery. So she, the woman was keeping the cat in the bathroom. I met the cat, 
and and the lady goes, "Oh, she's showing you her belly where where she had the surgery." She goes, "That's interesting." She goes, "That's not that's not you know normal for you know she's a very guarded cat, so that means something that she's showing you her belly." And so immediately, me and the cat bonded, and I said I basically like got her the cat for Christmas. So she was in California for Christmas for a couple of days. So I had the cat with me for a few days. The cat was like hiding under the bed. And she, I finally got her out from under the bed. And then my girl came back from California. And now we had the cat together. She enjoys the cat. She, you know, she's had. So when we finally broke up, she said, I'm, I'm taking the cat with me. And I go, why would you assume that you're taking the cat with me, with you? And I said, she goes, she goes, you wouldn't be that cruel. She goes, you know how much the cat means to me. She goes, you got me that cat for my for Christmas. You're not going to fight me over the cat. And I was like, fine, just take the cat. But then since then, I've had custody of the cat at least Were twice. you trying to hold on to her? That's why you said you're not taking a cat? No, funnily enough, like when we – so we moved out of the penthouse. We got another apartment in East Harlem. Um, and then and then that was like another – was, it was very tense the whole time we were in East Harlem. She didn't like the apartment. She didn't like the neighborhood. This I was is like, the same place you're living now. This is the same place I'm living now. We bought furniture together, and then, you know, like it was just it was just a lot of like butting heads. Like nothing really bad happened, and we were just like constantly at each other's. When does she leave? What was the last argument where she goes? She goes like, "I'm out." Funnily enough, f you and your bald. Funnily head. enough, we went to go see Get Out. Oh, I can see why she left you now. So, she like, she could be a little bit of like I'm a little bit of like. I could be like naive and kind of, I've been described as a golden retriever. I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. And so I'll like talk to the movie when we're at the movie theater. And she's very like prim and proper, which is why the comedy thing is very fun. Like she is not comfortable being with somebody who's like open publicly and who like is up on stage like talking about themselves. And like okay. that's who I, that's who I am. And so. We, she had like snapped at me a couple times in movies and I'm just kind of like, I was like, don't talk to me that way. So we went to see Get Out with another couple that are, that I'm friends with and she like snapped at me in the movie theater. Snapped at what did she say? I freak, she's like, Shh. she's like, do you always have to talk? What's one of those like, does it always have to be about you? Blah, blah, blah. Like the kind of mean shit that you say when you hit your boyfriend. And um, so we like went our separate ways with the friends and then we had this big fight and I said something to the effect of like, I was like, listen, I don't care. And I, I again, I, as we know, as you, you know, sometimes I say things and the intention is right, but the way I verbalize it, it's horrible. It's horrible. So I yeah. think I said something to the effect of like, listen, I don't care that your dad left you when you were a kid. I don't care oh, that your mother no. died. I care about us. You said that for your face. I said, I, I said, I care about us and what we're doing. And she did not take that well. And Nobody we like would take that well. Fought that night and then the next day. But do you understand what my intention is? No. Well, your intention was to bring up everything that hurt her. No, my intention was is that like she and I together had to decide how to live with each other. And it wasn't fair to me that she would use this trump card that... But she's dealing with... Imagine you didn't think about... She lost her mother. No, I listen. I, I I I was there for her every step of the way. I I I was very caring for her. And there's been other times when she she had rough. Even since we broke up, there's been times when she had like rough situations. And I just like 
stood by her side. But and, like, but like throwing it in her face is like saying like I've took care of this, and here. Yeah, I probably should shouldn't sho- have brought up. You should thing. never speak. I personally think that you should never speak to your significant other when you're highly upset. So you we were at each other's throats. It was bad. We should not have had. I mean. And so the fight continued into the apartment and into the next day. And, you know, she like flipped out on me. And, oh, fuck. I remember now. She said, she goes, I, she goes, I need to take a break. She goes, what I'm going to do, she goes, I'm going to California in a week. I'm going to, you know, when I, I'm going to go to California and then we're going to figure things out. And I was like, I was like, no. I was like, do you think I'm going to like just come home every day? You're just going to be sitting in here when I come home. So I was like, I was like, I don't want this, but if you want to leave, then you need to leave right now. And then her world like came crashing down because she had no place to live. She didn't have a job. And I'd been taking care of everything at this point for years now. And so she hadn't had a job in four years. She got a job. She got a really good job where she was making more money than I was making. And it just didn't work out. And so she lost that job after like eight months, which was probably like really hard for her to take. I think that was even harder than than the initial like being unemployed. But she was trying though. Yeah. Oh, she, she was, was constantly she just, going on she interviews. Just just sit and, yeah, so she was trying. But it was making her more she was getting more, more and more depressed, depressed which was making it harder and harder on our relationship. So I left and she like started going to like I guess she went to her sister's apartment and then she had to like arrange for at that point I, at that point i had gotten like i had gotten uh, i i became a manager at the little italian restaurant that we met and then i got a job working at like one of the biggest restaurants in new york city as a manager and then i got i and i wanted to be the beverage manager and i and i fought for it and i became the beverage manager so i felt like she was like upset because i was gone like nights and weekends i got a new schedule where i was off weekends but then she lost her job, so it didn't even matter that we had the weekends free because she was at home the whole week. So I like I was like resentful too. I felt like I was doing all this stuff for us. Like I was like I was like working really hard. I was killing myself. I was working like thirteen hours a day, and then I was coming home to her giving me a hard time. Did you see a marriage anywhere? I so one of the things that really upset me was that I. I was I felt like I was doing this for us and I had said I was like you know you're I said I was like I was like you're my I I forget how did I say it? I didn't say you were my dream girl I I might have said I was like you're the girl of my dreams like you're mm-hmm. this is it and whenever I she had like a lot of anxiety and stuff too like and I felt like whenever I brought up marriage or anything kind of permanent she, um she would like Act, react weirdly so then i was like am i doing all this stuff and doing all this planning and like sacrificing and paying the rent and buying the furniture and doing all that stuff for a girl who's just gonna leave me one day hmm. so that like that hurt me because i was like because if you know i'm somebody like i'm very loyal like if we're in it together we're in it together so if my wife is sick or my wife is unemployed or my wife is whatever i was like all right i will do whatever like my mom listen my mom stayed home for 20 something years taking care of four kids i don't have any problem being the breadwinner while the wife stays home but if you're my girlfriend and i'm doing all of that stuff and then you're still deciding whether or not 
you want to get married or the idea of, of getting but married to steps, me makes you... But, but what steps were you taking to marry her? Did You're you... big on the ring. I didn't take any steps. But I'm saying I think a woman has to know that some people just like hot air. If you're saying like I want to marry you, and stuff, well, no, I, what but steps I, were you but taking? I thought with all the job stuff, it was like getting getting the better job, getting the better schedule, like making more money, like pushing myself constantly. I was doing all that stuff. Okay, stop there, and talk about how stand up affected her life. Oh, so this is interesting. So because that's a thing in general, like when you're doing stand up as a spouse, when your spouse starting to do stand up, because there goes the nights. So so it's interesting. So I. I had dipped my toes in for a while. Like I, I, I was about to say before, like I, I did stand up for the first time when I was eight years old and like in front of the whole school, and I was like super shy. Um, so I, you know, I was super shy, and I d- decided to do the talent show for whatever reason. And I felt talent show where at like my elementary school in in Jersey. At a grown man, thirty three. No, no, I, at eight years old. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm oh. saying, I'm saying, oh, I, I thought like, you did. Stand I up like, I felt talent. like the power of it the, for the first time. And then I didn't do anything for years. When I was gambling, I I had gone to like acting school, but I was like I was the whole time I was like gambling, I was like in acting school and then I was trying to do play. It was nothing was like going anywhere. Okay. And I did my toes in a stand up and then finally um at like really like 35, which is super late for stand up. I decided I was like, what if I'm just going to focus my energy on one thing, what makes the most sense? Am I trying to do commercials? Am I trying to do theater? Am I trying to do movies? And I was like, no, the, the thing that makes the most sense is to do stand-up. It's me alone. It's me on stage. But it's a hard... It's me talking directly to the correct, audience. But stand-up is a hard task for well, that's a person how, who's never seen it that's before. That's how naive I was. I was like, well, I'll, I'll just be funny. And so, and I was funny. I was funny right away. Right, but how did your spouse, how did your girl So take she it? started coming to stuff and she supported me. She would come to, she got to a point where she like knew other people's jokes. She's like, if I hear so-and-so say that That's joke one more time. Was, yeah, I can't go to open. That's so what she's like. She'll never go to open mic again. Yeah, so I, she was very supportive. She would come to everything. But at, at certain points, she's like, you know, you used to be busy with, at nights with the restaurant. And now that you got some nights off, you're just you're just doing stand up. She's like she's like you prioritize everything, but me. But I was like I was like what do you mean? I was like I've been prioritizing you the whole time. She so this past time when we like so this I just really quickly like this past year I've been helping my family like build a house and I didn't know what I was doing. I literally learned on the fly how to build a house and the house is almost done and it came out incredible and I'm like was super nervous, super anxious and like I just I figured it out. And she said to me, she goes, you know, you wanted to be a comedian and you became a comedian. You wanted to build a house and you built a house. If She goes, if you had put your mind to us, we would be married by now. And I was like, motherfucker. I was like, how can you put that on me after everything Because that I when did? you start dating a woman in your 30s, you got two years tops to get a ring. You think so? Yeah. When you're dating Son in your 30s. Time is doubled. Where were you six years ago? Me and my lady were dating in our 20s, so we always had no, no, time. No, I'm saying, so where, why didn't you tell me this six years ago? I know, but I mean, it's, I, I noticed that. I noticed that when we started, when she started getting older, I was like, all right, time. It's not, I, she's not going to be 30 and not be engaged or anything else. I had to show her that, look, I'm serious, but when you're in your 20s, you're figuring things out. Yeah. You know what I mean? 20s, nobody cares. No one's rushing you, everything. They're, all, they're 25. Let them take time. But when you get to your 30s, you're thinking about her biological clock. You're thinking about everything else. So you had to. She wanted to be like, "Hey, what steps are you taking to make me your wife?" 
You're just like saying like I want you to be my wife's like, but this milk is free. Like, why are you really gonna purchase this two percent no, milk? No, but when I, the cows I but I would have. I if she had said. Sometimes you have to be the one. I know to take command. Freaking Eli Pope said, "You don't take command, son. Command takes you." Wait, who's that? Eli Pope. Eli Pope is Olivia Pope's dad. Oh, oh, scandal. Scandal. Yeah. I don't watch that thing, but it makes sense. It's you Joe don't Morton, take right? Take command. Command takes you. I saw Joe Morton on Broadway. He's great. You can do. You gotta take com. You gotta let command take you. Because every time I see you guys, when I saw you guys, I saw her at the barbecue that you had. Yeah, it was my birthday party. Yeah, as yeah. soon as she came, everyone was so excited about she's coming. She had a little aluminum foil pan. So it's up. funny. It's so so we we would we had been broken up. I didn't. I'm very like private with my family, so I didn't tell my family that we had been like back together because it wasn't really official. So I had a barbecue. I belong to a garden in East Harlem, and so I was having a barbecue in the garden. You should have another one too. I'm, I'm gonna have uh, Peter Palooza 2020 coming up in May. Um, so she baked a sheet tray of pasta with pesto, and she made all this food. I freaked out on her because I thought it was too much food, which is me being a maniac and I'm crazy, and I get it, and I apologize afterwards. Of course, people went nuts over the food that she made. So my family rolls up to the barbecue, and she's there. And they're like, oh, like they had no idea. Like they, everybody was kind of caught off guard. I didn't warn them that she was going to be there. I didn't warn her that my family had no idea. And she just like rolled in and she was like, she was like my ride or die. Like she made all this food. Like she like sacrificed for me. And at this point we were not technically together. We were, this was after we had been broken up for two years at this point. So Peter, Peter and his girl has been broken up for a while. But she's been leaving him signs to get back to with him, and you're not taking up the signs. <sighs> you did, did F the cat. You guys don't love this cat. The cat is a symbol of you guys together. Yeah. So if you we, really wanted to break up, you just go throw the cat I away know. and get another one. I, so should we tie this to like what? Why tonight we're having this conversation? Finally, I think we got yeah. to that point. So let's read the text message. Should I read it? Read it. She, her somebody who knows her is going to find Ooh, out. She, th- this is what I'm saying. If you she is a private, you want, it does, it does, sometimes you got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Like I thought, like this is it. Like I thought, so this she's is tipsy it, this right is now. She had a few. To, so few I did let her come see the cat in my apartment because I basically took the cat back and then I let her come see the cat. So I haven't talked to her about anything but the cat. Since the beginning of January. So out of the blue, I got a text tonight that said, I've had drinks, but you need to know I've loved you very, very much. I've always felt protective of you, close to you, and I'm sorry I've had trouble processing things in my life that damaged what we had. It's not all my fault. We struggled together. But I understand where I've been unstable and not a good partner, but you were never unloved by me. And I'm fine now, so no cause for concern. But I needed to say that. So I got this message like five minutes before I went on stage. He's effed up. And he's, decided as you to, can hear, he's emotional now. I, and I, I even said when I got on stage, I was like, this is the soonest I've ever been on stage immediately after I've <laughs> <laughs> And then I got up and I started saying bullshit about a Harvey Weinstein and this other female com- comic decided to like heckle me. And I was like, kind of like just trying to figure out, I wasn't like angry and I wasn't, I was trying to like a lot on your mind, have like, and I, and I said, I wasn't kidding about the just crying part. And I thought you're kidding. The just crying. I saw you. I've seen you crawl 12 times. 
time. This is the 12th time you cried reading that text message. In the last three hours, this was four hours ago that I got this message. And um, so it was like, it was just like the perfect storm of like me being particularly vulnerable and in a bad mood. And like, let's not even bring up the Harvey Weinstein. The joke's done. Yeah, it's all. This is, this is what I'm saying. The tears that you just shed right now. You don't want to be without her. So why are you without her now? Or is it just me being like needy and codependent? It's not codependent if you love this woman. You love this woman. You don't want to be without her. You guys are pretending to love this cat. F this cat. This cat has nothing to do with your relationship. The cat is keeping you guys seeing each other. Yeah. Tell the story how she's leaving mail at your house. Oh, no. So we, again, we hadn't, no contact. And then um, I get up, like there's an Amazon package for her. And I was like, oh, here we go. So she's like, hey, I accidentally got an Amazon package sent to your house. And then the next day, another package came. I was like, all right, the packages are here. You can come pick them up when I'm not here. And then you can see the cat. So I took all the stuff that she had left in my apartment, which was like two shopping bags full of clothes and whatever paraphernalia. And I put them in the corner of my room and put the Amazon package on top of the bags. So she comes and sees the cat. I'm away. I get back. And of course, it's like... She left like a ginger ale bottle on my freaking couch, like the pillow on the. I hate when pillows are on the floor. She left the pillow on the floor, like all the things that piss me off because I'm, I'm like a very uptight and an asshole sometimes. And she left. She took the package, but she left the stuff. So, I haven't. I haven't acknowledged it, but part of me wants to text her and be like, "Why did you not take your stuff?" Why do you think she's leaving signs for you? So, but why does you think she's doing everything that make you upset? So now you're thinking about her even when she's not there. So, so part of me wishes I had, I was cold blooded enough to say, take your stuff. And I basically said to her the last time, I was like, either we get back together or you can't be in my life at all because I, it's too painful. And she said, hold my cat. And she said, she said, I, I can't imagine you not being in my life. So part of me wants to say, come like part of me wants to go, why, why come and get your stuff? Why are you leaving your stuff in my apartment? But I'm afraid that her response is going to be, all right, I'm going to come get my stuff and that's going to be it. Why don't you go to her place and bring her back? What's stopping you? Because you got to think about it like this. She told me now that she needs a break. She needs a break. But at the same time, she's proven to you that she doesn't know what she's talking about. Who else has cried on this podcast? Anybody? Nobody, right? No, everybody. Is that right? Yeah. Comedians? Comedians, people. This is like some Mark Marin shit. <laughs> <laughs> when people get up here and they start crying, man, I told you, you're alone. Think about it, this whole podcast, not oh, to plug God. the podcast. It's about being alone with your own thoughts. It's the scariest place because you're yeah. scared of le- you're scared of your girl leaving you forever. So, like, you have to admit that you are scared of course that she'll leave you forever however your whole thing was gambling your whole life you gamble so why won't you gamble on yourself and bet on yourself and see i'm gonna put all my chips on her right now well yes and it's funny and this is in a way this is related to comedy too because it's like it's also that's also betting on yourself and that's also like exposing yourself the best comedians you're you're they're they're letting you yes they're telling jokes and yes it's a performance and yes it's an act and not everything has to be personal and like i think like this culture is like way too therapeutic and everybody's talking about their feelings and blah 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 but at the same time it's like the audience wants to to love you they want the 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 people who quote unquote fans they want to to be 
they, they want to be part of something. They want to spend time with you. They want to be in the room with you. They want to know you. And so and in order to do that, you have to, like I know my, like my self-sabotage is, is putting up a wall and not being my, my true self. So what, like you're 40 years old? 41. About to be 40. By the time we celebrate Peter Palooza in May, Four, 41. I'll be 41. I can't you're 41. I you feel like I give up a 32 vibe. No, I look you don't. Young. No. You, look <laughs> 40, you look 41. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one who says that. You got to think about it like this. You, you don't want to be alone. You found the girl of your dreams. There's nothing stopping you from bringing her back into your dreams. You literally could see her if you wanted to. You just have to stay and watch the cat. Yeah. So my thing is, you have to you have to get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and realizing that I'm about to go get her. Think about how she says that. How she always remembers the times where you were aggressive. You've yeah. lost your mojo. I have lost my mojo. Why? Yeah. Why have you lost your mojo? I feel uh, it's funny because I feel uh, you met her when she was down and out. You don't think she'll hold you down when you're down and out? I feel less. Uh, I feel weaker. I have lost my mojo a bit. I don't. I don't know what it is. Because you're I mean, not with her. But but even no. But because when we were together, the last time it was not. I was again. I was very anxious. I was very, like in my head. And I don't know if that's related to like insecurity. Because now I'm, I'm in a place right now where I'm insecure about what, what with insecure? money and stuff in the future. Like. I'm like I'm really going for it. Like I I really believe that I have what it takes to be like successful as. But you don't think she she's down to build with you? I, no, I, I I but I also know that my age is I'm I feel like I've always felt like one I've always felt the weight of the world on my shoulders, but two I've always felt like I'm running out of time, and so I I beat myself up because if I hadn't gambled and if I hadn't bullshit and if I was 25 right now, where I where I am, I'd be kicking ass yeah but you can't go back in time and you gotta think about it the gambling got you to her yeah no it, if listen, it wasn't for gambling people, it wasn't for these situations say, like, you know all that stuff had to happen for me to get to where I am now cause the second time you won't lose it no I, I listen and I I always said this it's like you know these like young these young people they become stars and they get in trouble with like drugs or whatever it's like I'm like I practiced before I had any money so that when I actually am like successful like I, I will not there's no way I'm going to blow it. I really think, my personal opinion, from what I saw at that comedy club, because you were on stage and you're getting ready, and I was just watching her the whole time. She probably, Did she tell you I was watching her? No, you told she, me. She didn't know that I was watching her because I wanted to see how she was doing. So, like, outside of the club, they're like, we're at Brokerage Comedy Club. You could see into the, you can see in to the showroom, but on the back of you is the, the TV of where you're performing. She was looking at both. She was looking at crowd reaction. She was smiling at everything you're setting up and everything else. I was like, oh, she really adores this man. Huh. Then in the car, I think you guys are arguing frustrated because when I was asking those questions, she was getting frustrated when I kept asking. I was like, why aren't you guys together? It's because of him. But I'm like, you're riding to a comedy club. We're riding 40 minutes away. Who goes? Who's down to do that? She like You can never be friends. After you hit that point, There's no you can never be friends with a person. If you know that there's that tension of just like, we should have been married already. City Hall's right up the block. Yeah. You could have taken her like, hey, get your clothes on. I'm moving you back in my house. Let's go to City Hall. 
If you give her no options, she'll have no options. Not saying very aggressive, but you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta take command again. You're sitting here on my couch. You're crying like this is a Dr. Phil session. <laughs> She's sending you a text message. Now you're thinking about all the good times and the bad times. You clearly don't want to be without her. You clearly want to be with her. She's leaving crumbs at your house to make you upset. Like, go get your girl, dog. Yeah. Go get her. Was that the night that Kevin James dropped in? It don't matter who dropped in. I think that. <laughs> this was the night you need to drop in and get your relationship back, dog. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah Kevin James I don't in. even think it's an age thing. I think it's uh, for her. It's just like she needs to know that you're down to well, run into a brick I, hall. We're all with. But her. also, but that's but I, that's where I also feel insecure because I'm in an insecure. I I I'm mad at myself because I you know you know I like I was I saw my buddy this weekend who's like a doctor and you know but she can't, and he's got money and don't, all don't, that stuff. But she's down. She's you you've seen her at her worst and now you're. At your worst, you can only go up from here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. The thing is, too, like you're not doing bad. Co- because comedy is actually going pretty well as well. It's not not financially. She'll it, be on the road with you selling merchandise. I mean, that dude, she would like she's in marketing. She actually, she's the one who's like helped me. Like she brought a pan my, of whatever that thing was to your birthday party. Yeah, pesto. She made, made pesto from scratch. It was amazing. Look. She made it. This is a, so she knows that my parents don't eat cheese. She purposely left the cheese out of the pesto so my parents could. Does your family love her? I th- I think so. Do you love her? Yeah. I don't see the issue. <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, both love each other. She just sent you a text message that rocked your whole world. Yeah. But did she do that just to make me upset? No, she didn't make you upset. She wants you to commit. You have not committed yet. You're fine with her walking in your apartment, rubbing a cat, and leaving ginger ale in your house. <laughs> That's one way because to put it. Because that makes you think of her. Instead of saying, like, look, I don't want you to leave ginger ale. I want you to leave the rest of your stuff. Let's go to City Hall tomorrow. I'll get a ring later. That's nuts, dude. I don't know if I have the balls to do that. I'm, I mean, I'm ballsy. You got ball- the balls to let her go walk out your life. I'm ballsy, but I don't know if I'm that ballsy. Don't let it go, man. Don't let it. I say don't let happen. Don't let it go where you shoulda, coulda, woulda instead of doing it. You said your whole life you gambled. You stopped gambling. I think the next gamble you got to roll the dice on is with this relationship. Because they said the hardest part of gambling, like when you're doing the dice, is rolling the dice because the outcome's the outcome. You already know that you can't control the outcome. It's going to happen. But having the stones to roll them again. Yeah. So I know you stopped gambling for seven years, but this time I think you got to gamble with your life, man, and gamble on love. Maybe. That might be the name of this episode, Gambling on Love. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Did not see this coming. It's it's 2.40. How, you oh, what's a, your longest episode? This has got to be the longest episode you've ever done. Nope. Would you imagine if uh, at the end you're like, oh, shit, it didn't record? <laughs> or if I say, you know what? We're I not, not going to release this episode. I just thought about it. Y'all shouldn't be together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be effed up. All right, well. We took a turn for this podcast. We usually do certain things, but we end it with five questions, right? Oh, boy. Five questions. A lot of people blowing me up. Uh, make sure you guys all follow him on uh, social media. Drop your social media, Peter. I'm uh, The Garachi on Instagram. It's- and ladies, uh, I'm not going to say ladies, but to the ladies that listen to me, um, this man right here is heartbroken. He's white. He's heartbroken. What does that have to do with anything? I'm just describing you. He's in an interracial I'm relationship. He's, he's sitting here with a bugle boy jeans on <laughs> <laughs> and a shirt, belly all out, 
been crying, crying for the past two hours. <laughs> He's been walking a bike throughout Harlem, and we had to get on a train with a bike. And uh, this is Peter Garachi, and I thank you, sir, for being open and being vulnerable with us on this podcast. This is what we talked about on the train the whole time. I was like, save it, let's save it for the podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm gonna ask you these five questions, and after that, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Okay, here we go. You ready for the last five questions? These are five questions I ask everybody on the podcast. Oh man, I can't wait to see where this goes. Okay. At this point, what could it be? What could it be? All right. Do you believe in God? Yes. Uh, what's your favorite person in the Bible? Uh, it changes. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about. I I like David. David confuses me though because. I like David. I like Joseph. I like Jacob. You got to pick one. You say, I say favorite character. You pick six. Um, pick one. I would say Joseph. Joseph. In the Old Testament, yeah. Because of what? His story of uh, his I think brothers the, betrayed him? And the story is great. In like, I, I, the Bible's all about the, the uh, God picking the guy that man wouldn't pick. And that's true of Jacob, that's true of Abraham, that's true of David. And Joseph is kind of the culmination of, um, you know, the the person that you wouldn't pick. And then the fact that his brothers betrayed him and then he goes to like... And a sign of a second chance. And and also, yeah, I mean, my life has been like ending up in a in a strange situation. Like it looks like it's going to be the end and then things turn around. And that's that's the whole story of Joseph. It's like... He's literally like in a pit, and next thing you know, he's like running. Somebody remembered him. He's running the grain, the grain supply for Egypt. I should just read that, read that whole book. Genesis. It's in my Bible. It's plan. it's the last eight chapters of Genesis is all. That's I mean that's crazy. Like all like, it, it was one of the things that's so interesting, and I because I you know we're as performers we're storytellers, like. Like the story of Cain and Abel is a couple of lines in the Bible. The story of Noah is a few maybe a few more lines in the Bible. I took a lot of the books out of the Bible out, remember that. Well, I, it's just, it's, but those stories, they're so powerful in the, in the simplicity. Okay. It's I not about, you. it's it, like j- just a way story, storytelling works is like, you don't need to complicate it. Like everybody knows th- th- there's so much meaning in there, even in those few lines. It's incredible. So why don't you take your own advice? You don't need so many words and tell your girl that. No, interesting. Or you should write her a letter. Maybe. Is her love language reading or auditory stuff? Or is her um, love language gift giving? Or is it distance? What is her love language? I think it's, she's a... Words of affirmation. Yeah. You should uh, write her a letter. Maybe. Mail it to her too. So she opens it in the mail. Good idea, right? Yeah. Write a letter, spill it all out, type it up, because your handwriting looks like it'll be sloppy the way how you're dressing now. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, can't read yeah, my handwriting. Right sloppy. That's why I was like, "What have you seen?" Oh, favorite yeah. verse in the Bible. Um. Oof. Greater love no man has than this that he lay down his life for his friends. Got it. When's the last time you had a nightmare? Uh, last night. About what? So I don't have um. It's weird. I've never had like existential terror. I don't have like nightmares about monsters or dying. My nightmares are always like I get home and I just miss the party and the girl in high school that I had a crush on is leaving at my house as I'm getting it's it's always like a missing out. Mm-hmm. And then I also like have these dreams where it's just like 
I'm like a hamster on a wheel. So like in the dream, I'm like in an office and I'm just like doing busy work. And it's like, I'm like worried that like, I'm going to just like pass through life without any real meaning, any real achievement. And I'm just like, that's a nightmare to me to just like spend your life like wasting away. It's crazy to me that you have all these signs about wasting time. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. And you waste a lot of time. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Let's keep going. Your biggest fear? Um, Can I answer this for you? Is it being alone? I Well, you know, the there's a famous Patrice thing where it's like, like he's like, ladies, fellas, we want to be... We don't want to be alone, but we want to be by ourselves. Like I've always, and I grew up like kind of in a chaotic household, but family's always there. Like I want to, like I need my Peter time. I need my alone time. But like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be lonely. And I went through a long phase where I was like very lonely. You ever had a panic attack? Um, I feel like I have anxiety all of the time, but I'm really good at hiding it. I don't know that I've ever had a full-blown panic attack though i'm very this is interesting and i think this is true this is true i i'm very good under pressure Mm -hmm. so for example like i definitely have add but like add people like also hyper focus so if like if the heat is on i hyper focus and i stay very calm and i can do things under pressure and i think it's because i came from like a loud chaotic family where like the only way you can get anything done is is to is to block out um, whatever distractions there are. Otherwise, you're just kind of in the gas. So I'm I'm real good under pressure. But then, like, if I have, like, too much time on my hands or if I'm, like, waiting, I don't – nothing makes me feel more nervous than waiting for other people to do what I need them to do. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Do you believe in soulmates? Um, I want to believe it, but I've also I, – I, I don't know. I also know like that my grandparents were like basically arranged and then, you know, at the end my grandmother was like taking care of my grandfather who had Alzheimer's and like, you know, that's not, that's a special thing. So were they, you know, did a lightning bolt strike them? I don't know, but 70 years later she's bathing him and taking care of him. Like, and I think that's, that's what I, me and my cousins and my brothers would joke. It's like seeing grandma take care of him, like spoiled us for American women. Cause we're like, who, what, what, what girl in like twenty? 20- I think your lady would take care of you. Yeah, no, I think that's true. She would nurse you. Back she now. is a, she is a. She gives. She, she goes the extra mile. So let's put it. Let's put it this way. We had a fight a earlier, a couple months ago, and I, again, I let her come to my apartment to visit the cat. And I walked into the apartment, and it was like her greatest. I was like laughing because it was like her greatest hits, like all the things that pissed me off, not changing the toilet paper roll. Wet towel on the bed. I was like, I was like, really? This is what she's gonna do? And then I opened the fridge, and it was full of food. But she made she made a baked ziti, and then she put it into individual Tupperware containers because she knows I like to like like freeze some and then defrost like one serving's worth and eat one serving. So I had like six Tupperware containers of ziti in the fridge. And so I I called her. I was like, what is this? I was like, are you? Is this a trick? What are you doing? She goes, we're dysfunctional. 
you know, we're not talking. She goes, but I knew you weren't going to have any food in the house, and I was worried about you being hungry. Come on, man. You over here. You over here playing around, man. <laughs> you over here playing around. She made you some tahiti and Tupperware bowls. Ziti. Baked ziti. Oh, tahiti. Boy, I love these <laughs> Italian dishes, bro. You're not hanging around. Dude, I got to te- learn you some Italian stuff. Yeah, y'all don't invite me. I, I, I invite you came to my barbecue. Yeah, but y'all you were the work. first person there. No, I had to leave because Tyler Perry had a Tyler Perry had a play and I had to go. Watch. Oh my god! So you you chose Tyler Perry over me? I paid. Yeah, he has his farewell tour. <laughs> paid fifty dollars for those tickets. Actually, I paid thirty two. All right, it was a good show too. You missed a hell of TP. A bar- you missed a hell of a barbecue. You that's what that was the day I met Grant too. You had Grant with you. Remember, we start frying up the sausages already. I said, look, we can't waste no time. Let's yeah, start yeah. frying these sausages up. I'm hungry. <laughs> And your girl came with all this food. I was like, oh, he's like, because Grant goes, who's that black girl over there? I was like, that's his old lady. He said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, got some yams on that thing, huh? He goes, yeah, she nice. I said, yeah, you see why he always act with his wild. <laughs> what does that mean? Wow, you could tell. You could tell that. Girl, like, you know what's funny is black girls smell it on you. I've had, I've had other black women go, like, you date black girls? I was like, what? They're like, you just. We but you, just the t- way you sounded like you're hunting them, you just say, she no. just happens to be black. No, no, it's um. They can tell when a white dude has dated a black. I could tell it too. It's it's. I'm not. I'm not hunting them, but like they, I think they sense. I think. Uh, I think people sense like, like they sense an un, un, a discomfort, and they also sense a sense of ease. So if I'm speaking to a black woman casually in conversation, and she senses a sense of ease, she assumes that I'm comfortable speaking she to a black woman. She assumes you got jungle fever. That's what uh, Stevie Wonder said. <laughs> that's offensive. That's an offensive and statement. Jungle fever? Yeah. That's what Stevie Wonder said. Is it, is that where it came from originally? I don't know. I just heard I this it was She's Spike got Lee? jungle fever. Hmm. I got jungle fever. They, they got, got jungle fever. They're, They're in love. love. She's gone black boy crazy. He's gone white girl hazy. I actually never saw that movie all the way through. Me either. But I know the song. Spike Lee. Let's think about it like this. Because because inside our culture, the black woman is the ultimate goal and the ultimate gift. And to get a black woman, you have to come correct. So for you to come correct and be able to love a black woman and support a black woman, she will treat you like a king. And that's what she's showing you. She lets you feel like the king of the jungle. Yeah. And you over here walking around like Scar. Hanging with these hyenas, not wanting to take your place in Pride Walk, my brother. You better always leave Timon the, and Pumbaa around. The, always with the references, this one. We got a couple more questions, and we're almost done. What do you think happens when you die? Um, I mean, I definitely believe in heaven and hell. I don't know if there's like a processing station. There's a lot of contradictory stuff in the Bible where it's like, today you will be with me in paradise. But then there's also, like, I, I think, like, like t- I think time, like temporal reality, is a human thing that maybe doesn't necessarily um, work for like heavenly bodies. So I think I don't know that you like the second you die, you immediately go to heaven or hell. But I certainly believe in the spiritual realm and the afterlife. You ready for the last one? Sure. All right. Now this one is called. It's a game called Who Are You? Right. So I'm going to say, who are you? And you have to give me an immediate response. And the goal is to go beyond yourself and talk about who you are beyond it. Now, I want to point to you. You say, who are you? And I'm going to answer it. Ready, go. Who are you? Jared Waters. Who are you? Two-time wrestling champion. Who are you? Stand-up comic. Who are you? Fiance. Who are you? That's how it goes. Oh, boy. I want to do that to you until you stop. 
Ready? What? When is stopping happening? Who are you? Peter Garacci. Who are you? Uh, Antoinette's son. Who are you? Uh, Sicilian boy. Who are you? Jersey boy. Who are you? Uh, the funniest guy in the room. Who are you? Uh, guy who's always saying stupid shit. <laughs> who are you? A scared kid. Who are you? Uh, someone who I doesn't know how to doesn't understand how to get along with other people. Who are you? Um, warm and friendly. Who are you? Scared. Who are you? Um, a good dancer. Who are you? Uh, w- wants to be loved. Who are you? Uh, loves skateboarding. Who are you? Um, feels like he's fat. Who are you? Uh, a nice guy. Who are you? Somebody who shows up for people. Who are you? Somebody you can depend on when you're in a jam. Who are you? The guy that you call when when there's a problem. Who are you? Um, a good friend. Yeah. I'll end it there because you started pausing. Usually you can't pause. That's how you wrap it. I'm going to say this, right? I'm going to put 60 seconds on this clock. And if you could say anything to your lady right now, because she is going to listen to this, what would you tell her? Uh, I would say that, you know, I'm in, I'm in pain and you're in pain, but I mean, we got to figure this out. Like there's no reason people that we know that met since we've been together are, are having kids. (laughs) There's no reason why the two of us can't get over our own bullshit and, and figure it out and make it work. We just, we just got to make, it's not going to work by itself. We got to make it work or we have to completely there's got to be a complete a clean break and we have to go our separate ways because it's too painful otherwise and i don't want that we still got time what are you doing and what will you do to make this relationship work i mean what i've been doing right now is is giving her her space and not and trying to not be needy and trying to not be and just trying to like work on me i mean i'm i'm willing if if we're willing to go into couples therapy yeah, and we ha- we ha- she's come with me to my therapist, and she said she was going to come again, and then she didn't come again. Uh, of course I'm willing to. Of course I am. Are you willing to not live without her? I mean, I, I to be honest, I, I know, I hear what you're saying, but I really think that that's out of my control at this point. Like, if she decides that... She has no option anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not very progressive of you, is it? When I got engaged, I told my lady, we're done dating. There was no other option. Yeah. We, 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 we're going to be together. That's for old life. school. For life. There That's is no, this big rock is for you. There is no tomorrow. This big rock is for you. I'm not, look, I, don't, I know it may took a long time for me to do this, but I'm doing it now. And I'm showing you, like, look, we're going to have kids together. We're going to get old together. There ain't no divorce. There's nothing. Shoot, we didn't sign no prenuptial agreement. This is for real. Yeah. So if you really want this, you got to fight on the ice, man. This guy told me one time, he said, you got to fight till hell freezes over. Then after that, you got to be willing to fight on the ice for Wow. So are you ready to get on the ice? Because it's cold right now. Are you ready to stay on that ice? It's cold. Yeah. You're in my house. You're crying. You're white. I'm I mean, not crying anymore. I'm white. white. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a lot of bad things happening for you. It's like not going I'm going to I'm gonna get on a bicycle. Being a straight white male in this business. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a bicycle at and three ride o'clock home. At, at three o'clock in the morning in, in this neighborhood. He's <laughs> Harlem with, and driving with, with tears stuck stuck to the side of my face, just riding Singing in the cold. Tennessee whiskey. Oh my God! Listen, listen smooth to that. as Tennessee whiskey and sweet. Let me try. I'm so, sweet. I'm so cheesy. She told Jerry me. She White. told me once I was I was maudlin, 
And I am. This is this is Marlon just crying. Have you ever cried in front of her? Oh, too many. T- I think that's maybe my biggest maybe, problem. Yeah, probably. That's you probably don't respect you. I I <laughs> I, 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 I said on the train I she, I trained her wrong because I was I was I think I was weak in front of her. I should right, have been more she's stoic. Not, she's not a puppy. Let's be progressive. I should have been more stoic. You didn't train her to do anything. You could just say you. I tr- I trained her how to treat me. You didn't train her how to teach you. You showed her the ways that you accepted to treat her. Yeah, and if she's which not was a, a puppy. You didn't train anything. However, uh, you if if you cried like this in front of me, I can't imagine how many times you cried in front of her. <laughs> so. <laughs> I yeah, I know it sucks. I wish I don't know. I've always had. Um, Has she cried in front of you? Yeah, but she really fights it. She does not. Yeah. She's very. I don't blame her. She's not an easy crier. Yeah, and she has to like for her to cry like it's she's really got to break down. Uh, and I but the last two times we were together, she cried, but it like it took because she wants this man. She's crying because she wants it. You're getting random text messages drunk. You got to listen to that fat Sam Smith. You got to turn on Sam Smith. Fat Sam Smith. That's when he starts singing, I'm way too good at goodbyes. He had to realize, like, hey, I, I don't want this no more. I've got to get my man back. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Peter Garachi. He's a stand-up comic. I would say follow him on Instagram, but the way he, how sad he is, you probably won't see any good posts. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm funny. This is there's there's no evidence of it uh, this this episode, but but this is you don't have to be funny on this podcast. You just have to be open and honest. This is uh I like the darkest place in the world. That's what this preacher's telling me. The most darkest place and where everything happens is around three o'clock in the morning. That's when everything's sleeping. That's when your thoughts start becoming alive. So it's funny because I, you know, in the last couple of years in like the New York comedy scene, you make your comedy friends and like you're you're my friend and like there there are people that I I would I like I like hanging around certain people that I would be friends with even if we were not comedians, but like they only see a certain part of you and they're always everyone's sizing each other up and oh where did, what show are you on and oh how did that guy get that spot blah 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 like that's the way comedians are it's shitty. So like I've never like revealed this to anybody in comedy. I mean I've told people like gambling stories or you know I've, like but I've never been like this in front of anybody that I know in the comedy world. So like anybody who knows me listening to this is going to be like they're probably going to be like oh yeah he sounds like he would have been a crier. One man, <laughs> one tree and a hell. Good name for a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jared Waters. Uh, send love Peter's way. And we're going to pray that Peter gets his woman back. You're and good. by this time next year when we do this podcast again, he might come again. But I'm only going to welcome you back unless you have your girl. Jeez. You're, good. You're a I'm good friend. Gonna, I'm not going to take single Pete no more. Should I plug my podcast? <laughs> no, nope, I don't want your podcast being plugged here. <laughs> no, forget it. Find me on the internet and I'll tell you about it. Uh, state your podcast. Tell me your podcast. It's called Kill You Last. It's an '80s action movie podcast. And we'll be we'll, we're gonna um and we'll put a link to the podcast. Sure. Put a link to the podcast inside the details. This is Peter Garacci, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you're out there and you love somebody and you don't want to live without that person, make it right. Wow. I if can't not, believe I just did this tonight. <laughs> if not, you'll be a man alone on a hill. In my house crying. (laughs) I'm Jared Waters, folks. Have a good night. Bye.